0: Welcome to the Federation of Asian Canadian Lawyers Faculty of British Columbia podcast. We are a diverse coalition of Asian Canadian legal professionals. We promote equity, justice, and opportunity for Asian Canadian legal professionals and the community. We foster advocacy, community involvement, legal scholarship, and professional development. The purpose of this podcast highlights the diverse and unique members of our community. We hope you enjoy our podcast.
1: My name is Brian Chang and I am honoured to be one of your guest hosts of the Faculty BC podcast. I am a litigation shareholder at Owen Bird Law Corporation and member of the Board of Directors of the Federation of Asian Canadian Lawyers of BC. In this podcast miniseries, I'm pleased to be able to introduce a number of senior lawyers in the BC Bar. We'll explore their career paths and their unique experiences as Asian lawyers building successful law practices in British Columbia and we will learn how they balance their careers with other aspects of their busy lives. I'm excited to introduce our guest today. She keeps it real with her real estate law practice and gets down to business as a business lawyer. She's been called to the BC bar for eight years, and she's owned her own firm for eight weeks. Please welcome from GBC Law in Burnaby, BC, Cynthia Lamb. Cynthia, thank you for joining us on the Faculty BC podcast.
0: Hi, Brian. Thank you so much for having me and for the wonderful introduction. <laughs> yeah,
1: we're very happy you're here with us today. Now, as of the time of this recording, you are just over two months into your new position at your firm, and you moved from the ranks of associate to now taking on the ownership of GBC Law. How have your first few months been treating you?
0: I mean, it's been a lot of things. It's been overwhelming. It's been exciting. And some nights I don't sleep too well (laughs) thinking about some things I never had to think of before, but all in all, it's been great. And I have a wonderful team, so no complaints.
1: That's great. That's great. Always the the first couple months of owning a business can be the hardest. And, you know, it's always uh, good to get started and to see where it takes you. So we're all very excited for you as well. Now, it's obviously been quite a journey to get to where you are today. Tell us, where did you take your first steps as a baby lawyer?
0: Uh, Well, I'm actually from Toronto, born and raised um, in the Markham Scarborough area, to be exact. If anybody's from Toronto, my parents live by Pacific Mall. Uh, that kind of gives you an idea of where I am. It's very—it's a highly Asian concentrated area. So um, can we
1: say, as uh, as kind of for, for the Vancouverites among us, is Markham like the the Richmond of Toronto?
0: Pretty much. Yeah, you okay. could say that. <laughs> so that's kind of where my roots are. So I went to law school in Windsor. Uh, that's actually where I met my husband, who you actually work with, Brian at Owen Bird.
1: Yeah, he's probably listening right now. So hello, Samir. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Hi, Samir. So we went to Windsor Law um, in Ontario. That's where I got called to the Ontario Bar in 2015. And I articled there as well for a small firm, mostly doing solicitor work as well. And then to join Samir since his family's here, I moved to BC in 2015 and started working at GBC Law and have been working for GBC Law since then. So
1: at what point... In going through this journey of articles and moving and starting at a firm in BC, at what point did you start having these aspirations to become the owner of your own private practice?
0: Honestly, I I never really thought that I would grow up owning a law firm. And that was never really the end goal when I started law school and even up until I would say early 2020. I always knew that I wanted to do a variety of things, and I I wasn't sure if I wanted to be a lawyer forever. So I did consider, uh, as I was working on GBC Law, would I be happy at a different firm? Would I be happier in-house? These things did cross my mind. But ultimately, I think being able to own a firm and have control over taking it in a certain direction, that's kind of what motivated me to take this path.
1: So what, what was it that inspired you to stay with your firm when it's not uncommon for lawyers who have established practices and, and enough experience to, you know, consider changes such as going in-house or going to a larger firm with kind of established clients over there as well. What made you stay with GBC and take this fairly unique career path of rising through the ranks and eventually taking over?
0: Brian, honestly, I think the biggest thing is the team of people that are here and the ability for me to work autonomously in the way that I want to work and to be my authentic self. There's not many things that i think more important for me to enjoy myself in a workplace and the people that i work with and the team of people who support me and i definitely have that here i I did think about leaving potentially at some point to go to a different firm or maybe pursuing a different career path as an in-house counsel for a company but what i really couldn't leave behind was the team of people here that i've honestly formed such good relationships with both personally and professionally Um, And I knew that if I were to join um, a different company or a different firm, I would probably be forced to some degree to work in a way that was more well-suited to that company, that was different from the way I was currently working. And I also just couldn't give that up.
1: You mentioned earlier that the people you work with is an important aspect of your day-to-day work life. Do you find that there's any difference between your relationships with the people you work with when you were... A senior associate who is under the auspices of the owner of the firm versus now the people you work with directly report to you. You are the owner. Has your relationship with your coworkers changed in any way?
0: I'd like to think not, but honestly, like there are moments where I do feel a little bit more alone, alone in the sense that before, I think when we were colleagues, there were certain things that we could talk to each other about in terms of things that we we really liked or things we didn't like so much about the workplace. And now I hear a little bit less of that. And I'm still hoping that people are pretty honest with me. Like, I really do my best to kind of reach out and get some feedback. But I do find that, unfortunately, sometimes when you're the boss, some of that communication gets filtered before it comes to me. So I do sense that there is a bit of difference like from that standpoint.
1: As a business owner, what do you think are the characteristics of a firm that keeps associates and staff happy? What does a good firm do to keep its people happy?
0: I think caring about its team, employee, staff is is very important. For us, like we recently ran an employee satisfaction survey, actually just to get a sense of how people were feeling at work, if GBC Law is a firm that people would recommend to their friends and family to work at. And I mean, fortunately the responses were pretty positive, so I'm very happy about that. But I do think that from some of the results, like the answers that I saw, Many people appreciated direct positive feedback from their supervisor or manager. I think that's really important for people to have positive reinforcement, to feel like somebody appreciates their time and effort, uh, that somebody cares about their actual well being at work. These were things that showed up the most in the survey results for us. So I would say that's probably one of the things.
1: Yeah. Now as a team member or former associate in the same firm, were you cognizant of these types of ideas or principles about how to keep a team happy? Like, was that on your radar as a senior associate?
0: I think it was a bit different. As an associate and employee working somewhere, I thought about it more so from my own perspective. Like, oh, I would feel happier if my boss did this or recognize this one thing that i did but not so much in terms of how it trickled down and affected everybody else in the organization i think now i'm mindful about every single person's happiness here because i'm really trying to work hard to retain good talent i know how disruptive it is when someone leaves and especially as a small firm too like we don't have many people so as as soon as one person goes it's a huge hit Uh, to our everyday operations. But yeah, from that standpoint, I do think about it a lot more. I do want to make sure that everybody is compensated fairly. And we do have a people services manager, basically our HR, that does help us regularly review market data just to make sure that people's compensation is in line. So that's also very helpful.
1: Now, obviously, we go through law school with the expectation that law school prepares us for the practice of law. But there is no sort of equivalent law firm owner school where you learn how to run a business, run a practice and all of that. So as a new owner of a law firm, what kind of resources do you rely on to figure out how other people do it? What good ways to do things are and what ideas are out there to run a successful law practice?
0: Quite honestly, I listen to a lot of podcasts i listen to a lot of podcasts not necessarily ones that are uh, with other lawyers but i I think at the end of the day like we're running a business so i do listen to a lot of other business owners on podcasts kind of sharing their experiences with business development with marketing with interactions uh, with their own team with management just to get some ideas of how i could do things better that will help my business that's probably the biggest source of inspiration but also i guess the burnaby board of trade that's something that's also a good resource for me and our firm has been a member for quite some years now it's an association with different local businesses. And there's a lot of people there that I can network with just to kind of get their thoughts on how they've run their business, what has been successful for them, what type of challenges that they've come across, especially since COVID has happened. It's a very, very different and uncertain time uh, that we're all facing. So it's very interesting to have a group of people that I can talk to just to see what things they're kind of Doing to try to pivot their business in order to continue to succeed.
1: Now, now speaking of challenges, what what are some of the toughest challenges you would anticipate as the owner of a law firm who's hopefully we're now coming out of COVID very soon, but you're going to be overseeing this transition from a life where people are a little bit more secluded and distanced to Hopefully things pick up quite a bit. And I think that in many industries, things have picked up already, but there are supply chain issues, all these things going on in the world. What do you think are the toughest challenges you're gonna be facing in the coming year?
0: Well, as things kind of resume normalcy, whatever, that looks like for us now, everybody is going to want to do things again. Right. Same similar to me. I haven't done a lot of things that I used to do in the last two years. So all of a sudden I want to get back to doing things. So I think trying to make sure that we have enough resources and the staffing to help all of these clients who now have all these new ambitions to come mm-hmm. look for help uh, from a lawyer to kind of work on some of these things. N- and now, to it's hard to predict business levels. That's one of the things that I found too, like some days we'll be super, super busy. Some months will be super busy and what that looks like now, even from the time that I've been here is very different than what it used to look like before COVID. It's a little bit hard to predict. Hopefully it will become easier as I kind of see the trend of things coming back. But that's one of the things too, just to make sure that we're well staffed enough and have enough resources to actually service the clients who are coming to knock on our door or phoning us up.
1: Those, those are definitely challenges at the level of the business. Now, what about challenges that as a new business owner on a work-life balance and, and personal life basis, do you think you would face any unique challenges as a brand new business owner that'll be different from the challenges you might've faced as a senior associate at this firm?
0: Oh, definitely. I think I've already experienced some of these um, challenges so far. And I would say like for myself, I tend to be a bit of an overachiever, which can be good sometimes because I think to some degree that has helped me get to where I am. But at the same time, I'm just somebody who I just want to do everything. I want to do it now. I want it done yesterday. And then I'm really hard on myself for not making enough progress. And I think I have to take a step back and realize that, This is really just the beginning of my journey here, and I kind of need to strike some balance. It's hard to strike that balance between the ambition that I have and trying to still protect my mental health to make sure that I'm still showing up as the best as I can be. So I think that's kind of been the biggest challenge. And I think before, like when I'm working for somebody, I kind of have a sense of clocking out when I'm done. I'm done my work. I've done this one file, I've finished my to-do list, but it just seems that as a business owner, my to-do list is never ending. And if I didn't actively stop myself from doing work and imposing kind of some boundaries for myself, I could be working all night and day. I actually kind of was doing that to an unhealthy level. So I've just kind of come to realize that I need to set these boundaries and I'm recovering from a little bit of initial burnout in January. But That's the biggest thing so far, I think.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Having that balance is very important. What strategies do you use to maintain a good balance then?
0: So actually something I did very recently was I turned off all of my Outlook notifications on my phone. I know it doesn't stop the emails from coming. The emails are still going to be there, but I don't see that little bubble that comes up that say I have a new email or that notification that appears on my home screen, so that my mind is not like, oh, I gotta check what's happening. What did this person say? Absolutely. Like, can I respond to this person right away? Even that itself has helped so much. Yeah, Something true. else I've um, just I've done recently too is that I block my time because there's so many disruptions. I'm wearing so many hats at the beginning of this business ownership journey hopefully some of that can be delegated out i'm actually trying to hire somebody else to kind of transition things right now so i'm i'm not wearing so many hats but right at the beginning i'm just trying to make sure all of our bookkeeping is good all of the accounting and tax stuff is done properly and i'm managing all the staff doing all the marketing business development stuff so i'm trying to block my time so that in each block of time i'm only focused on doing certain things and anything else that's not related to that i can't Really touch I do have to deal with later.
1: Yeah, that takes a lot of discipline though.
0: I mean, I'm working on it. It's not 100% perfect.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's tough to do, but I think it's a good way to kind of keep yourself organized and somewhat sane. Otherwise, you just get overwhelmed with all the different things on the to-do list. What about working from home? Like, does do you do you get the opportunity to do that now that you're a business owner you have, kind of have to keep an eye on things but with kind of covid still in the background are you mainly working at the office or do you have a chance to break away a little bit and and work from home
0: Luckily I've still been able to work remotely and that's actually also kind of a mental health thing I find that when I come into the office I mean there's good and bad and like I said I always want to be approachable so that people can come to me with things So what I found is on the days that I work from home I actually get less interruptions and questions maybe because I'm not in front of people so then that way people kind of filter some of their questions a bit more so I do kind of use this working from home schedule to get more deep work done like if I need to do something that requires a lot a lot of concentration like I have to draft a really complicated agreement I will try to schedule those for days that I'm scheduled to work from home because I know I'm likely going to be less disrupted during those days.
1: The other challenge, I suppose, with working from home though, is in addition to trying to block your time for all the sort of business administrative stuff you have to do, there's also the chores that <laughs> yes. start piling up at home. So it's like, I, I find when I work from home that there's the, the additional distraction sometimes. And, you oh, know, you're right,
0: actually. Yeah. I completely forgot about that too, because on certain days, like I said, I always want to get things done. I'm always thinking, like, oh, could I rotate my laundry in between this call? I could probably, yeah. fit this in And then I'm gonna change my bed sheets uh, before my meeting at two or something. So I have to actually actively stop myself from doing that.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that's the challenge I face as well, although. Uh i think that i'm a little bit less successful at blocking that out so switching gears a little bit i mean we talked about sort of very generally challenges for a business challenges as an individual running a small business for for our listeners from the federation of asian canadian lawyers one question i have for you is whether you think you faced any unique challenges being both a female lawyer and an Asian lawyer. I mean, this, as we all know, is a white male dominated profession still to this day in British Columbia, perhaps across Canada. And I think that certainly we're making strides in equity and diversity and inclusion. And of course, FACL has played a big role in advocacy and in promoting events and and initiatives to promote that, to help with equity, diversity and inclusion. But to this day, female Asian lawyers who own their own firms are still a minority. So in light of that, do you think that you faced any unique challenges getting to where you are today? And do you foresee any unique challenges that you'll face in the years to come?
0: For myself, I would say that, and it might be because I'm more pre-wired as an optimist. I actually haven't quite focused on any situations or circumstances that might have been a setback. I do realize that there are some, I don't know if they're maybe personal to me, but I think they are pretty common, like Asian cultural traits and values that are instilled in me from my upbringing that I can see might have been a little bit self-limiting and not to say that these things are bad. Growing up, my parents would always try to teach me to be modest, to be humble, to kind of keep my head down, work hard, and not make a fuss, don't do too much self-promotion. And none of that is bad. I do think that's positive, but I do think in certain industries, and perhaps law is one of them, where you do have to showcase your achievements to some degree, either for career advancement or for business development to try to attract clients. I do yeah. find that some of those things do get in the way of either myself or somebody else being able to succeed in that. So that's kind of the key thing that I have noticed from my own experience going through this. I would say even when I first started, I'm nowhere close to where I am now in terms of confidence and being able to delegate tasks, even for instance. This is changing things a little bit, not so much culturally, but as a female or as a woman, we're generally taught to be more team players. And by that, I mean, we obviously have our strengths in trying to be empathetic, conscientious, trying to be considerate of making sure everybody is good. And I do find that a lot in myself. And I do find some of that has kind of held me back a little bit at the beginning of my career and being able to work more effectively. And like I said, delegating is one of them. I was a terrible delegator at the beginning. And I think you have to learn to be good at that being a lawyer and also as uh, somebody in a leadership position to be able to succeed in that role. So those are some of the things that I think, for me personally, have kind of been self-limiting, but I try to kind of recognize that in myself and try to actively take steps to change that behavior so that going forward, those are not obstacles or less of an obstacle,
1: Was there a particular point in time in your career when you kind of recognized that, hey, this is the way that I was taught to behave growing up, and I can't do that anymore, or I have to take active steps to mentally wrangle with that type of behavior, not fitting the situation if I want to advance my career? Was there a point in time where you came to that realization of what you're telling us today?
0: Yeah, I don't think I have a specific example, but I would say generally, I would notice And maybe not in this current workplace, but in different workplace, my boss would bring something up like, oh, so-and-so did such a great job at XYZ. Everybody should follow this lead. But then I would kind of be sitting there like, oh, but that's exactly what I did. But like, how come my boss didn't know about it because I didn't say anything or because I kept it to myself. And I felt like I internalized a lot of my successes for a long time. And I never thought to show my manager or my boss And as I saw other people's achievements being highlighted and them being given the credit for that, over time I started to realize this is the way it has to be. If I'm going to venture into this industry to be a lawyer where I have to show these clients what I can do or show my boss that I can do this just as well so that I can take over this file. I'm going to have to highlight some of these things that I've done in order to advance myself to where I want to be eventually.
1: How did you do that? Like, was there just a flick of a switch? You said, I better start <laughs> telling my boss I'm doing all these great things. Or was there a way that you gradually accomplish that without defeating, you know, who you are as a person and without turning your back on, your own personal traits
0: it definitely was not a flip of a switch I, I don't think changing any type of innate traits that you have happens overnight and to be honest sometimes like even in front of clients when they ask me oh have you done this in the past have you they ask me like specifically to tell them these things quite honestly sometimes i still feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. but the way i kind of tell myself is that like these are things that you have done right it's not It's not that I'm making something up or over-exaggerating something and being dishonest about my experience. I just remind myself that these are things that you have done and somebody is asking you, to give them some information for assurance purposes or just so this other person is informed right. so i rationalize it to yeah. myself that i'm not really showing off because i think that's what it is we're always taught to not to be a show off being arrogant is something that is like not very pleasant and is frowned upon so i think as long as i can just rationalize it in a way where I'm just really telling this person experiences that I have actually gone through things that I have actually done. And I'm still honest about it. That works okay with my own feeling of integrity.
1: Yeah. And the results speak for themselves. If ultimately the client has more confidence in you or you're able to advance in your career because your boss at the time would be able to see your accomplishments and and recognize them. Right. So I suppose. At this point, you're two months into law firm ownership. If you could go back in time, would you have any specific words of advice to junior associate Cynthia? Like, What would you say to yourself now, so many years in, you look back on your journey, you started off articling, you moved to BC, you started off at GBC at this firm that eventually you're going to come to own. What words of advice would you give to yourself starting off this journey?
0: I would say to just not over worry. I tend to do that quite a lot. I like to plan. So I'm a very organized person. I like to plan things out to know what's happening next. The fear of the unknown is a big fear of mine. I don't like not knowing how things are going to play out. But I think what I've learned is just that there's so many things that are out of my control. Like no matter how much I've tried to plan things out, rarely in terms of business-wise, do things really play out exactly the way I think they're going to? And hiccups will always happen, but as long as they're fixable, it's going to be okay. So I would say is that things always shake out in the end. And I think as long as I'm doing things that I'm still proud of in terms of doing it in a way that honors my values and I'm doing it in a way that I find is, I guess, the way I'm sticking to my principles, I think it will work out in the end. And if it feels right, it's probably the right thing to do.
1: That's great. That's great advice for yourself and for all the junior associates out there who are starting on their own journeys and their legal careers. So Cynthia, thank you very much for joining us on the Faculty BC podcast today. We're very glad that you could join us and share with us your first few steps in your journey of law firm ownership. We wish you all the best as you continue your journey.
0: Thank you, Brian. Thank you for tuning into the FACUL BC podcast. Visit our website at facultybc.ca and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at FACULBC. We hope you enjoyed our episode today and stay tuned for the next guest. If you have guest speaker suggestions, please email us at membership at facultbc.ca.